You are Locked On Magic, your daily podcast on the Orlando Magic, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to today's episode of the Orlando Magic Daily Facebook Live, as well as Locked On Magic. Today is February 25th, 2018, and I put the date wrong on the thing. Oh, well, uh, I'm coming to you from the future, apparently. Um, my name is Philip Rossman-Reich. I'm the expert and site editor over at OrlandoMagicDaily.com. Happy to be back here with you. I hope everyone had a fantastic all-star break that watches the Facebook Live. Of course, you can continue to follow me on online and on, on, on the podcast with Locked On Magic. This will be Monday's episode of Locked On Magic. On today's show, as I was saying before I started recording, uh, I'll be recapping a little bit of the Magic's game against the Philadelphia 76ers. I will discuss, as I've discussed plenty of times, but I think that watching the Sixers brings it into fuller focus, I will discuss the differences between the Magic and the Sixers and why the Sixers got things right and the Magic did not. Uh, and, and how the Magic can, can get back onto the path that they need to get and then, again, hammer home some points that I've been talking about on Lockdown Magic for several weeks now. I, of course, will be taking your questions live if you leave them in the Facebook comments right over there. Um, just leave them there. I see one already. And, yeah, I know it's, it, sinks, it sucks that we stink, David. But, uh, you know, we, we, find, we find ways to talk about this team and we find things um, to say. So plenty, plenty to get to here. As the season winds down, just 23 games remaining in the NBA regular season. So we've got plenty to talk about there. Um, and then if we have time at the end, I, I've teased this, so I feel like i got to kind of talk about it. Talk a little bit about Aaron Gordon's future and what the free agency market's going to look like this summer. It's going to be interesting uh, for a lot, a lot of reasons. But let's start with last night's game. The Orlando Magic took on the Philadelphia 76ers. In a 116-105 defeat, uh, a strange matinee start, but Orlando got off to a really good start and looked like they were going to really compete and 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 beat this and, and at least be able to compete with the Sixers and, and give them a good game. But it didn't turn out that way. Over the final six minutes of the first quarter, Philadelphia went on a 21-3 run to turn a nine-point deficit into a nine-point lead, and Philadelphia never really looked back from there. Orlando did cut the lead to single di- digits in the fourth quarter. But largely, the second and third quarters, and, and most of the fourth, honestly, were just rote. Philadelphia was the better, more aggressive team. Evan Fournier even said, they just played harder than us. And, and they you know they gave us a punch. That bench unit gave them a punch in the, in the first quarter. And Orlando needed two and a half quarters to recover. That's what happens when you're a bad team. You don't, you don't quite know how to take those punches. And when things go bad, they go really, really bad. And they did go indeed go really, really bad in this game. It was kind of a lifeless effort, a disappointing effort, especially with how well the Magic played. Um, I do think that the Magic are playing better. You can see some offensive freedom with Aaron Gordon and Nikola Vucevic out there, so I think that's encouraging. It's clear they're still knocking off some rust, um, but playing generally well. Aaron Gordon had a great passing game when he, when he kind of discovered he didn't have a shot. But overall, I thought Orlando fell into the traps that they always fall into offensively. When they're struggling like this, they didn't move the ball, over-dribbled, got kind of dribbled into traps, let the defense dictate where they wanted to go, a lot of standing around, not a lot of helping each other, not a lot of trust. On the defensive end, the Magic's lack of size really hurt them. You could tell Ben Simmons just had a field day with whoever was guarding him. It started off as Jonathan Simmons. Jonathan Simmons is a fine defender, hasn't been as good as maybe advertised this year, but at the same time, He's just not someone that should be defending Ben Simmons at all. He's just not big enough to, to do so. Joel Embiid just absolutely bull rushed every Magic big. It didn't matter if it was Nikola Vucevic. It didn't matter if it was Bismack Biombo. It didn't matter if it was Ken Birch. He just destroyed them all. 
28 points, 10 for 17, shooting 14 rebounds, including 18 points in the first first half. Ben Simmons, 17 points, 7 for 11, shooting on the game, 7 assists for him. It was just a dominant, dominant effort from Philadelphia in every way, and, and just kind of the disappointing, lackluster kind of game that you don't want to see from the Magic at any point. Uh, this That's just not who this team needs to be. That's just not what this team needs to be building toward. And, and like, I, like I'm like i going to say in a moment, that's what the team needs. That's what the team needs to focus on is, is building good habits, doing the right things. And Frank Vogel will dutifully say that they are, but that was not a, that was not a good game for Orlando. There are good losses, and, and, and I get that the Magic aren't going to win a lot of games. They're a bad team, and, and this is good proof that they are a bad team. But Orlando still has a lot that they could improve on, still has a lot that they need to work on. And this was a setback, especially coming off of a New York game where the defense really took a step back um, and wasn't uh, didn't have anything to do with, uh, with anything else. So a frustrating effort from Orlando in, in just about every way. Um, you know, kind of felt like a momentum halter a little bit. The All-Star, All-Star break really seems to have slowed down the Magic's momentum. At bringing in some new players, bringing in some retur- returning players, definitely not helping things. Guys are adjusting to some new roles. You can tell that even on the minutes restriction, Aaron Gordon and Nikola Vucevic are still figuring some things out. They're still getting their legs under them. Their conditioning is not quite up to NBA speed yet. And of course, the Magic will probably be getting Jonathan Isaac back sometime this week, it looks like. I mean, he played in Lakeland, looked okay, um, but it's going to be time to get him in some NBA action pretty soon. He's going to rejoin the team in Oklahoma City on Monday, which kind of suggests that he might play, but who knows. Um, But obviously, a lot to still integrate, a lot to still work through with this Magic team, and so you can't can't quite... um, you can't quite judge them fully yet. I saw some people saying, oh, this is why the Magic should have let Aaron Gordon and Nikola Vucevic sit the rest of the season. I'm like, no, no. Got to play Vucevic, increase his trade value, show people that he's healthy, which he is showing, but still got to get his legs under him. Aaron Gordon's the most important player on the team. He needs to be playing. Any Anything that he can learn, anything that he can grow from is absolutely vital and absolutely important to this team. So uh, something that they've got, to, um, they've got to, to do and got to build off of um, on on this uh, on this team, so um, I think it's absolutely vital that Aaron plays. I think it's absolutely vital that Vucevic plays. I think it's absolutely vital that Terrence Ross plays when he's ready. It looks like he's not close to coming back, but closer to coming back. Uh, and then uh, when Jonathan Isaac is ready, he absolutely needs to play too. So um, you know, I, I think I think everyone's a little quick to rush to judgment. You know, there's definitely a lot of people who are who are upset that Mario Zonia's minutes have gone down, and yeah, maybe that's something to be upset about. Uh, but at the end of the day, I think it's 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 all minor because Zonio is probably not going to be part of this team moving forward. Um, let's go through some final stats before we get into the meat of today's episode. Um, Aaron Gordon, 20 points, 8 for 17 shooting, 4 for 8 from beyond the arc, 7 rebounds, 7 assists. A really surprisingly complete game for Aaron. Struggled a lot in the first half, only 5 points. You could tell he was still knocking off some rust, um, but really found his rhythm in, in the fourth quarter, especially when the Magic made their run. I think they were down by as much as 23 points in this game. Cut the lead down to eight at one point, eight or nine points at one point in the fourth quarter. And yeah, it was against the bench players for Philadelphia, so it was against reserves. Uh, but Aaron Gordon, team high, plus seven. He, I mean, I, I don't put that all on him. And a lot of that did come in the fourth quarter, but did a really nice job nonetheless. I, I have to say, I, I thought he found his legs, found his rhythm. Still maybe over-dribbled, trying to attack too much, but kept the ball moving generally, found others. And if he can add that, assist that passing game, that, that playmaking game uh, on those drives where he's not just looking to shoot, 
that's obviously a huge benefit. And I think that's that's something that he's going to really work on this summer is learning how to make those reads and learning how to um, learning how to find others and get others involved within the offense as he as his role increases more with this team. Nikola Vucevic, like I said, 15 points, 6 for 13 shooting, 9 rebounds, 3 turnovers, 2 steals, 2 blocks, had 10 points in the first first half. Was really the only guy getting it going in the first half, but really struggled in the second half. The things Nikola Vucevic typically struggles with defensively, struggled with Joel Embiid in the second half, struggled with Joel Embiid, everyone struggled with Joel Embiid, so I don't want to put that all on him. But generally looked good in the first half. Um, you know, I think, again, I, I think it's tough for them to put two good halves together still. They're still coming back from injury. It's going to take a little while to get them back into the rhythm of things. Evan Fournier, 16 points, 5 for 12 shooting, 1 for 6 from beyond the arc, 5 for 5 from the foul line, 6 rebounds. Um, did some nice things attacking the basket. You know, did some not nice things occasionally. Was was kind of lost defensively, too, at, at moments. Um, So, obviously, I think Evan Fournier, we kind of know what he is at this point. Um, You know, that's, that's kind of a you know, somewhat mean thing to say, I suppose. But, we kind of know what Evan Fournier is at this point, and um, you know he's not a bad player. I think I think the Magic just have him kind of in the wrong role, where they're asking him to attack a lot more, and they're asking him to be a primary ball handler, and that's just not what he is. And and, and I think the more you move him off the ball, let him work off screens, let him work off curls, let him work off pin downs, let him work you know kind of side pick and rolls. Um, that's where he's going to be a lot more successful in the long run for this team. Um, but the, the Magic can't ask him to do that quite yet. The Magic have a few other things they got to focus on with him. So that's that's kind of where Evan Fournier is at. Off the bench, Mario Zonia, 13 points, 4 for 10 shooting. Guy, The guy is scoring uh, right now. Three steals as well. Mario Zonia scoring. Um, I think that, that has made him a useful NBA player. He is making shots. I still question some of his decision-making, although it is much better than it was, say, at the beginning of the year. Uh, the game is slowing down for him. He is starting to experiment a little bit. Um, you know, I, I want to dial that back because I don't quite trust him to do that. And defensively, he still has a long way to go. But, and it, I, it always seems like I'm banging on, on Mario or, or harping on the negatives. And there are, there are negatives and there are things he still needs to improve. And, and that's why I'm a little skeptical that he should be in the starting lineup or, or not 100% on board with that suggestion from Magic fans or, or whatever. Hisonia is playing well. He's playing his best basketball, his most consistent basketball of his career. Scoring is not everything. And he is scoring, and he's making shots, and that gets him on the floor, and that makes him useful. But he still has a lot he needs to improve on, and I don't think there's any way to get around it. He still has a lot to work on and a lot to do to get where this team needs him to be in the long run. And so that's where I stand with Hisonia. I, I, I'm not against starting him at this point. I don't think it's going to lead very, very much. And like I've told, like I've told just about everyone, the Magic are invested in his future to a point because it's not likely they're going to resign him. So I don't think he is a priority for them uh, in the long run of this season. So again, the Magic fall to the Philadelphia 76ers on Saturday afternoon, one sixteen to one hundred five. Um, they're now eighteen and forty one. They'll play Oklahoma City on Monday, and yes officially one loss away from a sixth straight losing season, a franchise record uh, for that as well. So definitely, uh, definitely, I, I, I always hate it when loss 42 comes around. Um, it, it's never, it's never a good thing for me. Uh, it's, it's, it's never a good thing, I think, for any team to, even though, even though it feels inevitable and it will happen, when loss 42 comes, it is, there is a little bit of, there's a little pang of, of defeat and, and, and loss there. So I think that, um, 
that should be recognized a little bit. Um, so yeah, we'll get we'll get to that in a moment. All right, let's want to run through a, a comment real fast. It'll flow right into what I want to talk about on today's episode, which is trusting a process. Mark Ng writes, "Do you think the Magic are intentionally tanking, or they they are just bad?" <clears throat> Having been around these players, having been around the coaching staff, having been around this franchise, there has not been one point where I think a player or coach is intentionally trying to lose games. Nor do I think that is healthy for a franchise. This is just a bad team with a lot of bad habits that doesn't quite know how to fix itself. And it's been that way for five, for five now, six years. You could kind of sense it. Like everyone know, everyone just waits for the other shoe to drop. And that to me is a sign of a, of a negative culture, of, of, a, of a negative outlook. And, and why I think the team needs to flip over its core. They, they just need to, they need to, for, for everyone else too. It's not just for the team. Evan Forney, Nikola Vucevic, those guys need a new environment to figure out who they are and, and become the best players they can be. It's not working here. And so you need to go somewhere else. I mean, I, I think Victor Oladipo is a great example of that. It sucks that he didn't do it here, but he fully admitted, I needed to go to Oklahoma City and learn from Russell Westbrook to become the player I am today in Indiana. Learn just how much more work I needed to do. And that is somewhat an indictment on the Magic. And, and I'll explain why I think that those problems exist. But it's also a reality. Sometimes you need to go somewhere else. I felt the same way when Dwight Howard left Orlando. He had done everything he could with the Magic. They were clearly hitting a dead end. He needed to go somewhere else to try and discover his potential. The grass is not always greener on the other side, of course. Howard's never been the same player since he left Orlando. But I felt like it was time for him to change. And he had the power and the ability to exercise that power, and he absolutely should have. But the Magic, I don't feel like are intentionally taming. I think they're just not a good team. And you can see it, it, the loss against Philadelphia is a great example. The loss against Philadelphia is a fantastic example of this. Orlando was playing really, really well. And then Philadelphia kind of threw a haymaker at them. And everyone just lets go of the rope. That's what happens on bad teams. Bad teams lack consistency. Bad teams have guys playing in roles that they won't succeed in. Because they have to. They're poorly constructed. Bad teams are picking between a lot of bad options. Most of the time. And so I think that the magic... Kind of are stuck there. They've got talented players. We know they have talented players, but they just haven't been able to put all the pieces together. The complete buy-in to the system hasn't been there. And that's why the Magic are where they're at. When I talk to fans a lot, this tanking question comes up, and, and I am, you know, if you've listened to Locked On Magic, if you've interacted with me on, on online, I am not about tanking. I, I think that... A, the Magic tried it for two years. Or for five years, essentially. 
And I thought the Magic had a good idea for what... I think Rob Hennigan had a good idea for what he was trying to do, at least as a roster-building uh, notion. But... The Magic tried this. The Magic tried to build through tanking, through going to going deep into the draft, getting a high pick. And it didn't work. Let's just be real. It didn't work. Because we're still here. The Magic have drafted with a top six pick in four of the last five drafts. It will be five, it'll probably be five of the last six after the season. So clearly, to me, it's not about the talent you're bringing in. Victor Oladipo became an all-star. Aaron Gordon's looking really good these days. Jonathan Isaac is a talented player. Mario Zonia was a fifth overall pick. It's And, and we're seeing just how good he could be right now. So it's not about the draft pick you bring in. It's, it's certainly about the players you bring in. Talent wins in this day and age. But it's not just getting those high draft picks. You need something else to succeed in the NBA. And I think the Sixers are a perfect example, but not for the reason that people think. Time and time again, and I get this argument sent to me over and over and over again. The Magic tanked the wrong way. They should have done what the Sixers did. And my response consistently is, the Sixers were lucky. They've got these generational players, I don't know if they're generational, but they got these starring players because they won the lottery. The Sixers have drafted in the top three, winning the lottery, essentially. And I think it's the last four drafts. Joel Embiid, Jaleel Okafor, Ben Simmons, Markel Fultz. Four drafts. They've drafted in the top three. And yes, some of those times they had the worst record in the league, and so they dropped down to two or three. And so there is, I, I get that argument. More ping pong balls equals more chances at the top pick, more chances to be in the top three. I get that argument. MCW was drafted uh, 11th, um, so I, I wouldn't include him in there, Mark. Um, but, and Victor Oladipo should have, been, should have been rookie of the year that year anyway. Um, but, it's not like, the Sixers were doing things to, to... The Sixers and the Magic, though, were very, very different for a key reason. There are plenty of teams that have drafted in the top three, top five, multiple years, and gone nowhere. Minnesota has missed the playoffs for a dozen-plus years despite drafting Kevin Love, despite having the number one overall pick, despite, not that they didn't have the number one overall pick until Carl Anthony Towns, but despite drafting top five every year. Again, it is the players you draft. They drafted Johnny Flynn over Stephen Kerr. They drafted Derek Williams second overall one year. It's definitely the players you draft. Don't get me wrong. 
but it's something much more. And it's something I noticed from Philadelphia the first time Brett Brown stepped into the Amway Center. And I really think the key difference for Philadelphia and why they're successful is, yes, they had a lot more patience. They were willing to take on a Joel Embiid knowing that he'd miss the entire year. They drafted Dario Sarge knowing that he would possibly miss one or two years. They drafted Ben Simmons, sat through his injury. Markel Fultz, they're sitting through his injury. They had a patience that I don't think a lot of fan bases and a lot of franchises would have. And in fact, I think that patience got Sam Hinkie fired. But what really works about what Philadelphia did is Brett Brown and the things that he teaches and the things that he preaches. From the moment you watch those early Philadelphia teams in this rebuild, it wasn't that they were bad. Everyone knew they were bad. Coaching staff knew they were bad. They tried to find victories where they could. But they played hard. They were always a tough out. They always stole a game that you were like, Philadelphia won that game? Against a good team. Because their process is very much about an ethos. About a culture. About doing things the right way. What was smart about what Philadelphia did was yes, they went to the bottom of the barrel to find players and they looked for bargains and caught players in really cheap contracts. But they developed them too. TJ McConnell went from undrafted to a solid backup point guard. Rashawn Holmes, Robert Covington. These are all guys that Philadelphia developed and are now playing important roles on their playoff team. So yes, the high draft picks are the centerpiece. But what makes them successful is the culture that they built from the very beginning. I often call Jacques Vaughn the Magic's original sin. When you compare what Jacques Vaughn was saying in his first year as Magic coach and what Brett Brown was saying and doing in his first year as the Sixers coach, there is no comparison. It is night and day. Vaughn felt like a babysitter didn't really preach a specific style, didn't really preach and, and instill good habits. You could see bad habits developing. Victor Oladipo was overplaying guys on defense. They, they, they tried this trapping style and then abandoned it. They never, and, and some of this is Rob Hennigan too, but they never were able to say, this player doesn't fit, let's just discard him, like the Sixers did. The Sixers did that masterfully. That was one of Sam Hinkie's cold but genius moves. And so, when Jeff Volman took over, you remember that line where he said, I think he said, or, or someone said within the Magic organization, that we really didn't, the Magic didn't really have a development program. We had to build it from scratch. We had to change everything within the Amway Center. So Becky Bonner's been working on that. To make it a more inclusive work environment, a more productive, growth-based work environment. These are things the Magic had to do to start building back the culture. And that's why I harp on it so much more now. The team is bad. 
They're going to lose games. But winning still matters. Philadelphia remembers those big wins. Remembers how hard they fought. And, you know, half the reason the Magic need to turn over this core is just so many of the team's bad habits are ingrained into them from years of losing. And something needs to change. The Magic need to build a culture. That comes first. Because whoever you're drafting is a 19-year-old. Let's, let's be real. You're drafting a 19-year-old. There are no game-changing, surefire prospects in this draft. Everyone has a flaw. And to me, when I look at this Magic team, to me, it's more important to bring that player into a positive growth environment than it is just to simply get the first pick and assume everything will be okay. You need that positive growth environment. You need a place where that player can grow and learn good habits that will lead to winning. And that's why I do think it is important for the Magic to win when they can. I've said that from the very beginning of this rebuild. I know that you're going to lose a lot of games. But you win when you have the opportunity to win. That's how you learn. That's how you grow. And if there is a bright spot to all of this, it's that the Magic do seem to be making that progress. They do seem to be growing in the right direction. They're making changes behind the scenes. Supposedly, they have invested more in basketball operations to make this a better program. And I do look at what Frank Vogel has done. And an identity for the team has not emerged. I, I agree with that, and I think that's something that, that he needs to force onto the team maybe a little bit. But you look at how Mario Zonia has grown in the last two months. I think you got to give the coaching staff some credit for that. They've worked with him hard to get him ready for this opportunity, and it's an opportunity that he has succeeded with. You look at Aaron Gordon and how he's continued to grow. You look at even Evan Fournier's gotten better. There are the signs that this team is heading in a better direction. But obviously, there's still a lot of work to do. A ton more work to do. And so I would say to anyone who's thinking, who, who's, who's booing wins at this point, this team's going to get a good draft. I'm not worried about how the lottery shakes out. And it's a bit of a myth that the Magic have played themselves out of draft position in the past. You know, I, I'm going to look at this a little closer, closer, but I've looked at it once or twice. And, my, and the only conclusion I had was after the All-Star break, the only time the Magic worsen their draft position was last year. And honestly, they were going to pick Jonathan Isaac anyway. The Sacramento Kings actually jumped the Magic into the top three, and Philadelphia did a pick swap. That's how they got Markel Fultz. Philadelphia last year, Philadelphia last year didn't, they, they, maybe they tanked, I don't know. Philadelphia last year didn't even win the lottery with their own pick. Remember that. The lottery is pure luck. And so if I'm the Magic, I'm done relying on it. I need to make my own luck and make the most of the players that I have on my roster. Or that I want on my roster. Control what you can control. And I think that's where the Magic are at.
But like I said, I, I think there are positive signs. I think the Magic do need to flip over the core. They do need to make changes. There's no doubt about that. There is a culture uh, and, and habits that are deeply embedded in this group. It's not their fault, but they need to be rooted out. And then something new needs to build from there. And so that's what I think the rest of the season's about. Is laying the foundations and the seeds for that. Let's get to some of your questions here. Uh, Dashiell Nussbaum asked, Is there any way for Orlando to get his Zonia back for more than $5.1 million, like sign-in trade or whatever? Odds Orlando retains his Zonia. Well, um, the, so there are no trades now. Um, the Magic can only, if, if the Magic do a sign, the Magic, you know, there are no more trades. So Mario Zonia is on the Magic to the end of the season, and so the Magic will retain what's called his bird rights. That means they can go over the cap to re-sign him. But the Magic are limited to re-signing him to a, to a deal that starts at $5.1 million a year. They can't sign him to multiple years. They can't, a sign-in trade still follows, the, follows those rules. In fact, sign-in trades get really complicated, or a little complicated. Essentially, to do a sign-in trade, first, I have to sign the player. And so it has to fit my cap. So I can go over the cap to sign Mario Zonia, but I can only sign him to a $5 million deal, essentially. Then it has to fit their cap because they don't get bird rights. Bird rights do not transfer in the sign-in trade. So right now, if the Magic wanted to sign and trade his own, they would have to get some money back because not a lot of teams have cap room, and they would be limited to that one-year $5 million deal. Um, I don't think that there's a team out there that is willing to do that. Unless they, uh, unless the Magic, unless they have something the Magic want, or or they don't have the cap room and they need to clear some money to get his own, to get his own specifically. But essentially, his own is an unrestricted free agent. Uh, I I don't, I don't see that scenario playing out. Unless there's a team that that he really wants to play for, that really wants him, that just doesn't have the cap room, and so they have to do a sign and trade to to create the cap room essentially. I think the odds of Orlando retaining his Zonia are better today than they were, say, in November. In November, December, even January, I would have put him at 0%. Right now, I would say those odds are probably... I would say those odds are probably 15, 10, 20, somewhere between 10 and 20%. I think both Zonia and the Magic recognize he needs a new environment. I think Azoni wants to go somewhere where he is guaranteed playing time. And I don't think he can get that in Orlando. I don't believe he could get that here. Just from just from the standpoint of... Um, he hasn't before. I mean, he's essentially still playing power forward, um, which isn't his natural position, but that's where the Magic are playing him and giving him opportunity. But eventually, you're going to be playing Aaron Gordon and Jonathan Isaac together. So where does Mario Azonia fit in that? I mean, I think we know that Azonia's minutes are going to really be crunched once Isaac comes back. So where is he going to play? And I think that's the ultimate question that Azonia's going to ask, and that's why I think he's ultimately going to leave the team, because it's not clear where he's going to play. Uh, Mark Ng asked the question that I always ask, what if Scott Skiles stayed in next year? If Scott Skiles stayed that second year, um, I'm not sure the Magic improved a ton from their 35-win season. 
I think that their idea of what they needed to do would 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 maybe have changed. I don't know if they do the Victor Oladipo for Serge Ibaka deal. Um, they maybe they would. Um, I, I think that was more of a, a direction of let's just bring in some veterans to to try and speed this up. Um, but I think the fact that Scott Skiles was here would, would have been here for a second straight year would have helped the team uh, undoubtedly. I think the continuity from last year to this year with Frank Vogel helped the team get out to a faster start. Um, you know, I think obviously if you get Scott Skiles in, you probably if you keep Scott Skiles, that probably means you're trading Alfred Payton before his value kind of bottomed out because those two, I mean, those two just really did not get along or not get along. But Skiles did not view Payton as a future point guard. Um, I think everything changes. I, I really think I do think that Scott Skiles resigning the way that he resigned. And, I mean, I don't think he quit on the team, but essentially quitting on the team. I think that set the Magic back several years and put them into a little bit of a panic uh, that, that they were not prepared to deal with. Uh, and so, obviously, that was that was a huge moment in, in Magic history and, and really hurt this franchise moving forward, hurt its reputation, hurt, hurt, hurt a lot of things about it. Joshua Lloyd asked, Would you be willing to sign and trade Aaron Gordon in the offseason for a star player, for example, a John Wall or Kawhi Leonard? Assuming a team is willing to do that, yes. Um, I think that, well, I probably would, depending on the years left on that player's contract, how much time I have to build up my roster. The problem with the Magic right now is they're stuck. Would John Wall make this team better? Yes, absolutely. But this is still a really young team, and this is still a team with... Players that we all know don't quite fit the mold really well. And so, I think that you can add a star. You can try and go trade for one of these stars. But once you do that, the, the clock is ticking. When you trade for an all-star, like uh, an established star like John Wall or Kawhi Leonard, the clock is ticking now. You've got to be good now. And... I'm not sure I'm there yet. I'm not sure that the Magic are ready for that yet. Jonathan Isaac's still really young. They're going to have this draft pick who's going to be really young. You know, who's who's trading for Nikola? I mean, Nikola Vucevic, Evan Fournier, Bismack Biombo, those are big contracts that you got to move around still. So I don't think that that's necessarily the... It, it seems like an easy path, and it does make things easy. But um, but at the same time, I don't think the Magic are ready for that. It, it, it's, it, going after a star like that seems really, really easy. But I, don't, but I don't think the Magic are ready for that clock to be ticking yet. I think they do need to find a star and grow him, whether it's Gordon, whether it's Isaac, whether it's whoever they draft this year. I, I think that is the better path for them. Uh, Jasmine Hawkins, on a related note, asked, do you believe that the Magic will re-sign Aaron Gordon no matter what the asking price for him? Yes, I do. I think that he will get... Uh, I think that someone will come in with... I think his, his, I think his restricted free agency is going to play very much like Tobias Harris's. Um, I think someone will come in with a max offer sheet. The Magic will ask him not to sign it. They'll come up with a deal that's a little bit less, but maybe gives him an extra year that, that other teams can't offer him, and they move forward from there. Uh, it wouldn't surprise me if he goes off and gets, or if he if he if the manager just sit down at the table with him and say four years ninety five let's just get this done, that wouldn't surprise me. 
Um, it wouldn't surprise me if he enters restricted free agency, gets a max offer sheet, and the manager say, okay, come back to us. Let's do five for 125 or five for 115 or something like that. Gordon is going to get paid. And I think the Magic are going to be the ones to pay him no matter what. They Just from a optics standpoint, after letting Victor Oladipo walk and him becoming a star and Tobias Harris walk and him playing pretty well, I don't think the Magic can afford to let Aaron Gordon go. He's still 22. He's still growing. He's still getting better. I think the Magic want him in the fold. And I think they know that they can't quite let him go yet. Um, Dashiell Nussbaum asked one of the big questions. Rank players you'd want the Magic to draft and best player available or fit. I am a big fan when you're drafting at the top of this uh, top of any draft to take the best player available no matter who it is. Um, I think the Magic situation is a little bit different though. I don't think the Magic should go for a 3-4 wing. They already have Aaron Gordon and Jonathan Isaac and I think both are pretty important to this team's future. So I already, I haven't really done much studying on Michael Porter Jr. Um, he obviously hasn't played this year. Uh, and I haven't done a lot of studying on Marvin Bagley because I think those two guys just don't fit the Magic's roster. Um, Bagley, I'm starting to come around a little bit more on that. He could be a center. I'm not sold on it completely, but I, I do need to watch him play. I have, I've, I've been kind of purposely ignoring him a little bit more than I should. But my big board still stands. Luka Doncic and DeAndre Ayton are one and two. And I think they're by far the two best players in this draft. Every time I haven't watched a ton of Donkic, but I've seen highlights. I've watched. I watched him play in EuroBasket. He is. He's really good. He's really really good. Uh, and I think there's a hesitancy among Magic fans to draft European players um, because of past experience. But this guy's different. This guy is so different. Um, he 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 needs to improve his shot. Still, he's not a great defender. Not a t- great athlete, but. He is a really skilled point guard, really skilled playmaker, and and he's really, really good. DeAndre Ayton, every time I watch him play, I am more impressed by him. His defense has gotten better as the season goes on. I'm less concerned about that as a weakness. I think part of his problem is he is playing out of position, um, and I really dislike that Arizona plays him out of position at power forward. That dude is a center. He is the biggest dude on the court. Um, He moves with great fluidity. Uh, He's got a good post game. He can step out and hit the jumper a little bit. Uh, I am I am high on DeAndre Ayton. If he is your center of the future, I am ecstatic. Um, I'm get I got this question for my mailbag, and, and I'm going to answer it in the mailbag uh, hopefully this week. Um, but who is my number three then? My number three has been Trey Young for most of the season. The slump that he's gone through over the last month is concerning me because it, it brought out all the all the reasons why I'm I'm a little skeptical about Trey Young. Um, but but, um, you know, he's still a gifted scorer. And the Magic need a point guard. And the Magic need a score and playmaker like him. And you don't want to pass up on a guy who can warp a defense that Young, like Young, can potentially warp a defense. And I think playing in the NBA, yeah, the competition's a little bit better, but he'll have better players around him too, which I think will help as well. Um, but I am increasingly more intrigued with Jaron Jackson Jr. of Michigan State, um, where a lot of people are high on Muhammad Bamba for his defensive ability. Um I think that Jackson has the defensive ability that Bamba does. Maybe not quite the instincts and timing quite yet. Um, plus, he's a really skilled offensive player as well. Um, you know, uh, he's got to work on his fouling. He's not as disciplined defensively as Bamba is still, but he's, he blocks a ton of shots. He grabs rebounds. His offensive game is continuing to grow. He's got decent footwork. 
I, I am slowly believing that Jaron Jackson Jr. is the third best player in this draft, at least for the Magic. Bagley's probably better overall on, on a big board if I'm doing a general big board, but um, I'm really impressed with Jackson the more I watch him, and, and, and slowly Young is slipping a little bit because of his performance. Um, and, you know, I disagree that Aiton can't play D. Uh, I think Aiton has gotten a lot better defensively as the season moves on. I agree, I agree on Aiton's defense that it's not natural to him. He doesn't have great defensive instincts, but his athleticism helps him recover. I think he is beginning to understand it. Um, Sean Miller, for all the stuff he's going through right now, he is still a really good basketball coach. And I think he has gotten a lot defensively out of Aiton as the season has progressed. Where he was in November, December to where he is now is completely different. And again, I think Aiton is playing out of position. You put him one-on-one with centers, he's played well defensively. Stick him at power forward, ask him to roam around the paint a little bit and be a a rim protector. Again, I don't think he's a very instinctual defender. But he is getting better. And I've seen him get better as the season goes on. So I'm I'm really high on Aiton. I think Aiton... It wouldn't surprise me if Aiton goes number one. I still think Donkic is going to go number one. Um, But uh, I I think Aiton is is really a good player. And I I would take him... I, I would seriously consider taking him one. Um, if I'm the Magic. I, I think he is that good as a center prospect. Uh, Jakob, uh, sorry if I butcher this pronunciation, uh, Jakob or Jacob Krabelage asks, what does Hizonia need to do to really impress you? Hizonia has really impressed me. Let me, let me, let, let me be clear, because it always seems like I'm critical of Hizonia. Mario Hizonia had one goal this year. Prove he is an NBA player. Because last year, he was not an NBA player. Last year, he did not look like an NBA player. And even in October, November, he did not look like an NBA player. And that's why the Magic declined his team option. He has made the Magic regret that. It was always a mistake, and the Magic are certainly regretting it. And they should. Hazonia has proven he's an NBA player this year. He has impressed me tremendously. Where I disagree with a lot of fans who, who really want Hazonia to be really good. Where I disagree with fans is I just don't see him as a starter. He makes shots, which is great. But he still does a lot. He he still has this tendency to freelance too much. He still has this tendency to try and attack attack the paint when there's no lane. And he's gotten better at squeezing his way through and making shots. And and yeah, um, that's definitely a really good sign. Like his game has grown tremendously. He has been, bar none... One of the most impressive players this year. The way he's played the last month, month and a half. But I, I just don't see him as a starter. Because he still makes a lot of little mistakes. The, the wild drives in the paint are down. The turnovers are down. And that's made him playable. He's played within himself, which I think is really good. It's a really important thing for him. But defensively, I don't know where to put him defensively. And that's why I don't think he's a starter. And that's Okay. Honestly, I've said this a million times. The Magic don't need fifth overall pick Mario Azonia. They need useful role player Mario Azonia, and that's what they've gotten. So, Azonia has impressed me tremendously this year. The narrative on him is that he should be starting. And I disagree with that. I don't think he's a starter. Should he be starting over Jonathan Simmons right now? I'm willing to listen to that argument. And I think that it's something the Magic should consider because Hazonia has played really well. 
But defensively, he is still a huge, huge problem. And really, the reason Frank Vogel has settled on playing him at power forward at the four is because he doesn't trust him to defend players on the perimeter. And I've seen nothing to change that. He's better, but that doesn't mean he's good or good enough quite yet. He's still got a lot of work to do. But he's playable. He's useful. You can put him in the rotation and trust him to make good decisions Good decisions now. You couldn't say that four months ago. You couldn't say that three months ago. And so Azonia, to me, has been one of the more impressive players. I mean, we'll do... We'll do player evaluations at the end of the season. is going to get one of the better grades, I think, of any player on the team. He has had a good season. He has done what he has needed to do to get back into the rotation. And that's all you can ask for him. Again, I don't think the Magic are going to end up re-signing him. I just don't see why he would want to come back here. Unless the Magic guarantee him playing time, which I don't think is going to happen. So that'll be interesting. Um, Mikey Clark asks an interesting question here. Um, do you think the Magic bring back a follow Mac or Spates next season or bring in some other players on minimum deals? I don't think a follow will be back. Um, I think there's still an outside chance he gets bought out or waived um, to, to go to a playoff contender. Or it sounds like Toronto was kind of interested in him. So if, I think if a follow asked, hey, you know, my agent's been you know, saying that there's some teams interested in me if I get bought out, I'd like to play for a playoff team. You know, I think the Magic would do him that favor. Um, Spades, small chance the Magic bring him back. Um, you know, obviously a hometown thing. He's played well. Uh, but there's obviously a crunch at center with Biombo, Vucevic, Birch. Birch clearly needs to play. Spades is standing in the way of that. I, I just don't see how they can they can bring him back either. Um, but Shelvin Mack, I think there's a small chance the Magic bring him back. Um, but at the same time, cutting him before his contract guarantees frees up $5 million of cap room. Magic may not necessarily need that, may not really be able to use that because all their cap room is going to have to go to Aaron Gordon. Uh, so I think it's 50-50 that Mac is back next year. It wouldn't surprise me if Mac is back. Last year of his deal, paid $6 million, not a crazy amount. Um, but it also wouldn't surprise me if he's included in a trade that, that $5 million extra dollars could be key for a team that's looking to clear some cap room. So if the Magic are willing to take on a big salary, they can throw Mac into a deal uh, and and um, use that as a kicker. Say, hey, here's a guy who's $6 million cap hit for your trade, but you can cut him and you only have to pay him one. That's valuable in a trade at the draft or, or around the summer. So I think that that's as likely as anything. So I, I put it at 50-50 that, that he's back with the Magic next year. Um, it, the Magic just have so little cap maneuverability that um, that I, I don't think it, it really matters or, or that I think the Magic are going to be able to do much to, to, to free or loosen that up. Uh, it is about 12.50. I think I'm going to cut us off here. Um, if there are any more questions, throw them in real fast. Uh, I want to thank everyone everyone for watching today's Orlando Magic Daily Facebook Live. Hope hope they got um, a little bit clearer on why, what my position is on tanking and why I think why I think the Sixers have been successful again. I, I think the Sixers have been successful more for their culture and process more than their tanking. They got lucky with their tanking. Let's, I, I think that's the reality. Um, and really what's made them successful is their development program and their ability to identify talent um, in, in places that you don't think and, and build them up and build them into a culture. And I think that's why Philadelphia is successful. I don't think it's because of their draft picks. I think they could have drafted where the Magic were drafting and still found a lot of success because of the environment that they bring their young players into. Um, and so I think that's what the Magic really need to change and focus on 
now and in the summer as well. And I think that's what they have been focusing on throughout the season. But that's going to do it for me today. I want to thank you all for watching on the Orlando Magic Daily Facebook Live. Um, you can rem remember if you're listening on Locked On Magic, you can join us every Sunday at noon on the Orlando Magic Daily Facebook page. That's facebook.com slash Orlando Magic Daily to check out the Orlando Magic Daily Facebook Live. Interact with me live. You can hear I answer questions uh, live on the air. Um, but if you have a question that you didn't get in during the Facebook Live or have a question coming out of Locked On Magic, the Orlando Magic Daily Mailbag is still open. I'm still looking for questions, hoping to answer them later this week. Uh, so be sure to drop in your questions. You can do so at omagicdaily at gmail.com or on Twitter at omagicdaily. And of course, for the latest on the Orlando Magic, be sure to check out orlandomagicdaily.com. If you like this show and don't already subscribe to the podcast, you can subscribe to po the podcast Locked On Magic on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, and all the fun places you download podcasts to your podcast-enabled listening device. Best way to get the latest on the Orlando Magic, latest analysis, latest talk, um, and a daily podcast form a little bit shorter than, than this. I go long for the Facebook Lives, um, so be sure to check that out. This will be Monday's episode of Locked On Magic, so if you like this, plenty of places. And yes, we are on Spotify now as well, too. Thank you, Mark. You can, of course, follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked On Magic, as well as like the podcast on Facebook at Locked On Magic. You can follow me on Twitter at philiprr underscore omd. That's going to do it for me today. I want to thank everyone again for watching the Orlando Magic Daily Facebook Live or listening on Locked On Magic. I'll be back again tomorrow with a complete recap of the Magic's game against the Oklahoma City Thunder. They play Monday at 8 o'clock, so be sure to tune in on Fox Sports Florida, NBA League Pass, or wherever you watch NBA basketball. Thank you all again for watching and or listening to today's episode. For Orlando Magic Daily and Locked On Magic, this has been Philip Rossman-Reich. I will see you all again next time for another Orlando Magic Daily Facebook Live and tomorrow for another episode of Locked On Magic. You are Locked On Magic, your daily Orlando Magic podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.